Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, early afternoon, Houdat Nation. We're in week 18 of the NFL season, the regular season finale for the black and gold of course, it's in Atlanta versus the hated Dirty Birds. And the Saints need a win to get in, along with a Rams victory over the San Francisco 49ers. Both games will be kicking off at 325. I know we'll be keep, keeping our eyes on all the action from the Saints game, obviously, and have another eye towards the Rams-Niners game. They're saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to give it a go. His his hand's supposedly okay and, and will play in this game. We'll see what happens there for the 49ers. Even a healthy Jimmy G is not really scaring me, but uh, need the Rams to win that game, need the Saints to win today in Atlanta. And man, oh man, it's been a heck of a regular season for this black and gold squad. Uh, they've dealt with adversity, it feels like, every week. Uh, def- definitely between starting out the year, having to be a home game in Jacksonville because of a hurricane, uh, the number of injuries, and then the COVID reserve list, which wreaked havoc on this team, especially uh, in that awful, ugly outing where we saw Ian Book getting tortured uh, in, in the Superdome. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty at all, and it didn't seem like the NFL really cared about the Saints situation, particularly in that game. But with all said and done, Saints still have a chance to make the playoffs in, in all this madness of a year. And I know we've kind of talked about it back and forth here in studio, and I'm sure Saints fans have as well. But, man, oh, man, you got to give Sean Payton really a ton of credit. I know this team hasn't performed as expected, but considering what they've been through, the number of injuries, uh, four different starting quarterbacks, uh, pretty amazing feat for this black and gold squad to still be in NFC playoff contention. It's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, it really, truly is just remarkable. Because, listen, when you start talking about the beginning of the season and when Drew Brees had to go out, he left. He retired, right? This is a guy that's been behind the center for 15 years in New Orleans. And then, okay, then Michael Thomas's late surgery in the summer, and then he's out for we thought was a few weeks, and then it became the year. It snowballed, right? It just kept building with, with issues. And then the hurricane hit. <laughs> I mean, and then, you know, people from other places don't realize what that means to you. So, I mean, they may, but the bottom line is they, they were in Dallas for a long time, and they stayed. Even afterwards, right? Exactly. Even afterward. I mean, when you're not sleeping in your own bed, I mean, it all matters, you know? I mean, when you're on the road, that's one of the things that goes against you. You're not home. You're not in your, your regular routine. And then, you know, you came back and you, you whipped the backers game one and, and all of a sudden you're, you're feeling really good about yourself. And then you got just stomped in game two by the Carolina <laughs> Panthers, who I don't know if they've won since. But the fact <laughs> is, is that – and then just, And now they're saying Christian McCaffrey's on the trade block. Good luck with that. 
I'd take him. <laughs> I might take him, put him at receiver. That's a, that's a, that's a heck him. of a contract, though, for those injuries. Oh, I know, I know. Same here with uh, Michael Thomas, same situation. Exactly, right? right. So, you know, but then you look at the – it wasn't injuries. The NFL is about injuries, right? We all know that that's part of the game, but it's the injuries that they had. It's like the keyest players you could have. I mean, I remember in week three, we were like, <laughs> after watching, you know, Kamara just roll, we're like, the most indispensable player we have on this team, we cannot lose, Alvin Kamara. Well, then two weeks later, we lost Alvin Kamara for four weeks, right. maybe five. I don't know. But the fact is, both of our fantasy teams went down, and then one of them went back up. Yeah, you, you definitely <laughs> had a, a nice surge there at the end. Nobody cares about that. But let's move it forward. <laughs> like though, Sean Payne says, nobody cares about your problems, right? No. Nobody cares about your fantasy teams either. Even it's very true, problems. right? I mean, trust me. I, you know, you want to just just like have listeners tune out, start talking, <laughs> talking about, about your, fan- your, your fantasy. Your own fantasy <laughs> team, right? They care about their own. No, but then you go... Then you have the the you know the injuries were everybody the offensive linemen and we kept hearing and we're Peyton. still dealing with that too with the offensive line, but you know then it was a defensive line and then it was like the you know some other, the whole linebacking core had COVID and then you know it just was one thing after another. Uh, but then that's the point I'm making. You just said it. We are in contention here in New Orleans. The New Orleans Saints are to make the playoffs, and I would give it at least a fifty percent shot at least because you got the Saints are about four four and a half point favorite, and then you have the Rams. Or about four and four and a half point favorite. And those two teams I just mentioned have to win for the Saints to get in. Which is key too, right? Thank goodness the Rams need to win to to keep their number two seed in the NFC. But on the downside, the Rams have lost five in a row to San Francisco. Kind of like the Saints and Buccaneers. This is a team that's got their number. I watched the first game this year. It was 31-10 and it was just awful for the Rams. I mean, it was helpless. I don't know if you watched that game. It was a Sunday or Monday night game and... And I remember, like, the first drive, This I'm not even joking, the first drive was, like, over 11 minutes. But they held the ball. San Francisco ran, like, 20 plays and scored. And it never let up from there. I mean, when you get the ball in your high-scoring offense with three minutes to go in the first quarter for the first time, you're like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? And so, yeah, so this is this is going to be an interesting from 3.30 to, say, 6.30 or 7 for the Houdat Nation to be glued to two televisions, and I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Thank goodness for smartphones and everything nowadays because it's so easy to keep up with the scores and stats and everything. And unfortunately, our early games, there's not real much excitement in these in these noon games today. Well, that's on purpose, right? I mean, they, they just they put anything that means anything in the second round to get everybody ready. So when nobody knows what's going to happen, you know, that's why the Dallas game was yesterday. Dallas, you know, they could have been eliminated from a chance to get a certain seed, but – but a lot of other things had to happen for Dallas to get that, like today. So that's what they threw that game last night, right? And then the Kansas City Chiefs weren't playing for a whole lot either. Kind of a similar situation. But they, they put the marquee games, meaning like the games that mean stuff for everybody in the late, game, late, late group today at 325-ish. And, uh, and it's going to be fun to watch. And the NFL knows what they're doing in that capacity. I'm not saying they know what they're doing in everything. But, <laughs> but it's going to be a fun afternoon. I can't wait. So we'll, we'll talk all about the game uh, and, you know, the ramifications thereof for a lot of these games coming up today. Yeah, and unfortunately we're dealing with uh, three players are definitely out for this Saints team today. Tackle Teron Armstead, cornerback Bradley Roby, and safety P.J. Williams. That one, P.J. Williams being out is definitely – something that is low-key a big issue to me. I mean, you've, you've seen him do so much in that safety role and able to move around the field. Um, a very key player he's been. He's matured into a better defensive back than he came in as, obviously. No, and he was a first-round pick. Remember right. Remember back in, from Florida State back in the day? That was after the Super Bowl year, right? Probably, right around there. Yeah, I think there. so. But the fact is he, he, he is now. You know, it, it, it spoke volumes to me this week. Uh, earlier this week, it may have been late last week when you know Chauncey Gardner uh, Johnson 
was talking about him. He was asked, and I'm sure you heard it too. And he's like, this is my mentor. This is the guy. I mean, without him, I'm not doing what I'm doing. And it spoke volumes because CJ is not going to be a guy that's going to give a ton of other people credit unless they truly deserve it. And when you mention a guy being out, PJ's is super important. But if you're going to let me choose between CJ being out like he was earlier in the year, and I remember what a factor that was, right? then PJ, I'm going to take playing CJ. But still, you don't have any more depth at that position. Not great depth. And, and plus now you have Roby out, so that your options get slimmer and slimmer, right? Exactly so right. now you have your starting corners. One's a rookie who's been playing great. But then you have those three safeties, and you got to just hope nothing happens because you well, got – Thankfully, this Atlanta – passing offense has been pitiful except against the saints <laughs> except against the saints because i watched that was i watched the whole tape over again i still I, don't know how they got that ball to Corderell patterson at the end you really you don't know <laughs> I, just, I watched that whole game again i tape them all and i keep them until you know until my thing just runs out but you know Your cloud yeah well not my cloud on my on my dvr you know, if it gets full, I gotta start deleting stuff. So I'll go back to like the Well definitely Bills. delete like the Bills game. I was Bills. gonna say that one right away. Do not need to watch that Dol- one ever again. And I did. I know. Oh. The Dolphins game. I mean, those are the first to go. But the those, Falcons, are, those are torture right there. But I knew we were playing the Falcons again, so I wanted to watch that again. And it was brutal how Matt Ryan was throwing the ball all over the field. I mean, like we would stop I say we the New Orleans Saints would stop the Falcons, you know, for a couple plays, you know, one yard gain. Right. Minus one, and all of a sudden it's third and long. Third and eight, and, right. And it's usually a, a tough situation, but it wasn't at all for the Falcons. They would just throw 20 yards down the middle of the seam of the field and somebody's wide open, or it was just nonstop that day. But Matt Ryan is a guy that uh, you can say what you want about him, but he, he is a he's a dangerous quarterback. I mean, he doesn't have all the weapons. I mean, think about this guy. He doesn't have Calvin really. I know we don't want to feel sorry for them, but. Right, he's dealing with uh, mental issues, so he hasn't been playing. <laughs> at all, all season. I mean, maybe one, two games, that's about it. Right. So, you know, he's got that weapon at Kyle Pitts who's come on, and then. Who's also banged up and questionable for today with a hamstring issue. If he's not able to go, they are in deep doo-doo. And I have my prayer hands uh, going. <laughs> um, no offense, Kyle. Hope you get healthy for next year, but. Uh, but yeah, the, this game means nothing for the Falcons. Why risk is an injury for this young kid, right? And he doesn't know what the robbery means yet, anyway, right? He's <laughs> used to Florida Gator guy. But no, the uh, you know Russell Gage from LSU has become their main target. I mean, pretty much other than Pitts, but at the wide receiver position, right? Uh, so yeah, this is the thing. As a kid, I'm gonna go ahead and state this right now. Like I grew up going to games from the time I was like four and five. I you mean, grew up here or in Atlanta? I grew up here. Okay, I grew up in New Orleans. I grew up. I grew up blocks away from where they played originally, Tulane Stadium. I grew up uptown, not far from Broadway. So I was going to these games as a kid. And I, you know, I think the first time I realized, really remembered, like, what I felt about a game, period, was in 1973. It was September. It was a super hot day. And we would go straight from church to the game. Nice. And a lot of times we didn't have time to shed the clothes, you know, because you were dressed up for church. And so you I, got your Sunday's best on. Sunday best. Not every week, but uh, many weeks. This particular week, yes. And it was 102 degrees. At least it was in this little kid's head. We got beat 62-7. to And I remember vividly them throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. I remember Al Dodd going down the sideline, catching passes. I'm like, I'm old enough at this point, eight, to realize, aren't they kind of rubbing this in? Yeah. I mean, aren't they just throwing this in? And I'm like, I remember telling my family, I'm like, can we leave? (laughs) I mean, because, no, we got to stay to the end. And so that began my hatred of the Falcons. And if anybody's listened to my radio shows since I moved back 10 years ago, they know this because I've said it almost every time we play them. 
But yeah, so I have I've hated him ever since. And then in 1978 and 79, when you know we had the big bends against us, and anybody that's older than 45 will know that uh, the 20 to 17 losses. It was the one when they got the Hail Mary the first time, other than maybe the Vikings and Cowboys when that Hail Mary term got first coined in the mid-70s when uh, Roger Stahl back through to Drew Pearson and won the game. Well, this was Hail Mary that went bad for us. <laughs> and it, it was, I think a guy was named Alfred Jackson or something like that. He got the touchdown on a tip pass and, and they won. And then we go to Atlanta that same year. And this is when the Saints were getting good. I mean, this is when they were 7-9 and nine that year. The, these two games could have made them 9-7. and seven. You know, I think that might have been the first year they even got the 16-game schedule. But the fact is, is that the next game, Saints are about to win, and they have a phantom interference call in the end zone. I still remember the ref's name, Grover <laughs> Clemmer. I mean, God, you rest in peace. Is he related to Vinovich at all? <laughs> <laughs> Second cousin. Right, right. Uh, but fact is, is that that's stuck in my mind, and I've really hated the Falcons ever since. And I lived in Atlanta for 20 years. I was going to say, so how how was that for you then living in Atlanta now having to – interview and be cordial with the enemy i did it a lot they all knew they all knew when i was from new orleans yeah they, yeah they mostly got it they weren't sharing secrets with me or anything like like i had any pull with hazlitt or dicka <laughs> right you're telling uh, telling the saints that all that top secret info no i literally was there when mora was still in new orleans and then you know obviously it was dicka and that horrible run and hazlitt had some success right never really got totally over the hump but he got that first playoff win and then obviously the 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 era with Sean Payton has been beautiful. So I was there till, till 12, right? So I saw a lot. My kids grew up Saints fans, hardcore. They would go to – we went to every Saints-Falcons game for sure in Atlanta. And I even flew them down here for some just to get the taste of the Dome. But the fact is, is this rivalry has meant something. And I guess I started the story because I wanted to tell you, like we all know, and you can throw these records out. And I know that's a cliche, but you really can. And Matt Ryan – Right, and that's for any division opponents, I think. When you look at, you know, when even this one let's, – Let's be honest, though. Not really. I mean, you can. Yeah, I get to what you're saying, but this is so different. And anybody Just because they know the personnel and they're familiar with their what they're going to do kind of thing. But there's no hatred with the Buccaneers. <laughs> there really isn't. There's no hatred. Carolina, I mean, they're still an expansion team to me. I mean, really, I know they've been in the league for 26 years or whatever it is. But there's no history there. Like, you know, I mean, for you, because you've been here for 20 years, right? Yeah, that, that, yeah. But this Falcons thing is so deep. Like, even when I was a kid, the Buccaneers weren't here. I mean, they didn't come till you know, I was, you know, been rooting for the Saints for eight, nine, ten years. Right. So, but the Falcons thing is, is deep and strong. And guys like Matt Ryan, who've been in the league for 14 years, well, they're going to make sure the younger players know about it. That's how it, it happens. Cam Jordan's doing the same thing with the young players here. Drew Brees did it. They know this game's extra special, and the Falcons will come out with everything they got, whether it's with their second or third team. They're going to come out playing. And let me give you one last thing, and I'll do this quickly. Mm -hmm. I remember I had Zach Lyon on a show once, and it was on a Friday, and the Saints, I believe, were 9-0. and And this was just two, three years ago. And um, and normally I don't tape shows before the game, yeah. but it wasn't going to air till that night of the game. And so the Falcons had started like 1-8, and and we were 9-0 and or something similar. Let's just say it was just – we were 12, 13, 14-point favorites. Right. And I said, well, you know, I assumed the win. And I just said, hey, you know, the Saints are now 12-0 or whatever it would have been. And he go, he looked at me and froze up. He goes, I can't I can't answer that. I said, cut. We'll, turn, we'll do that one over. The fact is, is they won. The Falcons beat us. And that's yeah. what happens. It doesn't matter what the spread is. It doesn't matter anything. I've seen the Saints do the same thing on a Thursday night when the Falcons came in 5-0 one year. And, and the Saints were 1-4 or something like that. And the Saints blew the doors off of them. So – 
that's what this series is about. And just expect a dogfight today. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Steve Geller and Scott Alexander here on First Take, gearing you up for a 325 kickoff in the ATL Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Saints looking to make it a home away from home today with a victory. Also need a Rams victory over the 49ers to punch that playoff ticket. Back with more First Take after the break here on WWL Radio. Your Oakland Hard Jewelers Rolex time check. Three hours, 56 minutes till the 325 kickoff in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. The Falcons and Saints. The regular season finale week 18. Hard to believe we're already here. It doesn't it does feel like a long season, but also it doesn't, like, I can't believe we're already at the end of regular season football and the playoffs are upon us. It, you're, you're right. You're right. But you think about Green, <laughs> Green Bay does seem like a year ago. Doesn't seem even this season, right? I know, because that just, you know, that, I looked at that. They say, they say our, our home record's 5-3. and three, I mean, our road record's 5-3, and three, uh, New Orleans is. is and I, I, I look at that game, and I don't consider that a home game. I mean, I think I, I look at the road record as 6-3. and three, Absolutely. And the home record's not 3-5. and five. To me, it's 2-5. and five. Right. You I know, agree. Carolina and Tampa, the only ones. I mean, so you can say what you want. The Falcons, on the other hand, um, same thing. They don't play well at home either. I mean, they're 3-5 and five at home, and they're going to, like the Saints, they're going to have one less – a home game, then uh, I think they're too, wait, they might be whatever they are, whatever they are, it's well below 500. And, and today, you know, it's interesting that neither team who played in Mercedes stadiums uh, until this year with the Saints, of course, with right. Caesars, uh, have good home records at all. And in the Falcons, surprisingly, I know we talked about this in the break, is that they were in playoff contention last week. And when you look at that team, it's almost as bad as the Saints with decimation. I mean, a right, lot of you look ways. at their O-line, the defense, the wide receiving. They, they really don't have much. You almost have to give them some credit Absolutely. for even like having you know, eight wins or seven wins. They're seven and nine right now. They were seven and eight last week, and if they'd won that game, they would have been eight and eight coming in this game just like the Saints. And they beat the Saints because you know, I don't know what the tiebreakers would have been in a three-way situation, yeah. but the fact is this game would have had a whole different look to it uh, if they were in. And it, I think about that, and I think most listeners out there would agree – you don't look at the Falcons this year as a team that had would be anywhere near sniffing a playoff berth, right? No, pretty impressive, I will say, too. New head coach, uh, new GM. We know Terry Fontenot well uh, from his days here in New Orleans. Obviously, hoping he does well, except when he, when the Sa- when the Saints are playing against the Falcons. Well, but it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, I agree with you. the The Falcons have definitely overperformed uh, than what I thought they would do this year. <laughs> And listen, I, this is a good segue because I agree completely <laughs> with you. They've overperformed. But talk about overperforming when everybody thought maybe he was on his last leg, and I'm bringing this up because he just kills the Falcons, is Cam Jordan. And I don't – because this dude right there, when he when he had zero sacks in his first four games, and, you know, he's had to miss two because of COVID, which is terrible. I mean – And it seemed it. like he came back from COVID with – more anger in this vengeance where he's been on a sack tear. I love it. He's been unbelievable. He's one of the most unique, amazing human beings, I mean, that's ever put on a Saints uniform, in my opinion. He's just a great person, and he's a great, great football player, and he should be considered for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We all know he's going to be here in the Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor most likely, uh, you know, with the greats, the very greats. There's only four or five of those. So, but the fact is, I think he's a Pro Football Hall of Fame. But he has 12 and a half sacks in his last 10 games. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? That's the kind of pace that's unreal. I mean, and now he gets to eat up Matt Ryan, who he sacked more than any quarterback in the NFL. There's the segue. I love it. There's the segue. <laughs> eat and, it up. And even in his bite that I used in the uh, sports report this morning, 
he says something about my job is to get the mat. He goes, I'm not worried about the other scoreboard. Right, it, right, exactly. The, when they were asking the Saints about right. scoreboard watching, he's like, I could care less. He says, uh, I, I want to know at the end of the game, but during the game between the lines, I want to get to Matt. And, I mean, the way he said it, like it's a personal relationship because they've both been playing against each other for a dozen years now. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan's always got his eye open for Mr. 94 over there coming on the on the backside. So that, that's going to be a fun little matchup to watch. Here's a bite of Cam Jordan talking about Matt Ryan right here. Be frustrating trying to get to him because you know his timing just is, is that much faster. Um, last time we played him, it was, he was in his bag, and then you know this coming coming up, we we know we have to put pressure on him. We have you know we have to get there faster. So whatever it takes, one step faster is whatever we have to do. Pressure definitely the name of the game, and uh, having Marcus Davenport be questionable this week a little bit of a concern. The defensive end has been mauling the opposition all year when healthy. And unfortunately, another injury for this guy popped up. He he ended up hurting his ankle last game, went into the injury tent for a little bit, got retaped, came back out. But all week he has been limited at practice. I'm expecting him to still go, but I'm not so sure about Ryan Ramchek, who was also limited all week. We haven't seen him. I think the last six games he's been out, it would be so huge to have him back but I don't know if they necessarily need him today. Well, I know it's like a must. It's a definitely a must win again. But this Falcons defense is so suspect, and saving him maybe for the postseason uh, would be wiser if if he's not ready to go today. I just I'm skeptical on Ramchek. I guess being able to go after limited all week with a knee injury. Well, there's two different issues there. I'm skeptical, obviously too. But if you don't think we need him, this is a playoff game. I mean, this is a playoff game because you don't go to the postseason without this game. But, yeah, you don't want to risk further injury, correct? But he was limited all week. And the Saints, actually, you know what? Caleb Beninock, he has been put on the COVID reserve list, so that's another offensive lineman down. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> all I saw of him really was that game against the Dolphins, and it wasn't pretty. But the fact is, is Ramchek, when I heard that he was limited in practice early in the week, I got a tingle in my body because I was excited that this guy – because we had heard rumors that he might be out for the season, right, correct? Exactly. So that's, you know, and the Saints are so mum with injuries that you don't ever really know. And we're not going out to practice anymore, so I can't even see the limited amount of work he is doing. Right. But for them to say he was limited, uh, that, that, that meant something to me, and hopefully he gets to play today. You know, we were talking before the show even started about the chances. I don't want to put cart before horse, but if the Rams win and, and the Saints win, they have sure. to play the Rams. And we all know that's a tough, tough matchup, but – Here's the fact: If you have Ramchek and Armstead and Davenport and and you know everybody else healthy, I'm not scared of the Rams. I mean, yeah, they're going to be a better team, but I'm not scared of them because now you're healthy. If you're not healthy, yeah, it's going to be tough when you don't have your offensive lineman to have to go against that. You know, Von Miller. Put it this way: I heard the other day it was Marcus Spears said Von Miller and Aaron Donald might just be the two best offensive – I mean, defensive pass rushers of all time. Now, I think Lawrence Taylor might have something to say about that. Right. But for Marcus Spears, who was a great defensive player himself, the point is this. It's valid. And Von Miller is becoming great again because he he got situated with the new team for a while. But he, if you watch the game the last couple weeks, this dude is a beast. And we all know what Aaron Donald's done for years. He's a three-time defensive player of the year. They're going to be tough to beat, but you have, you probably don't have much of a chance if you don't have your offensive line intact because that's where they are dominant. You know, even when they're passing game, it may be faltering occasionally. Uh, you know, because Matt Stafford's been up and down the second half of the season. That thing's a constant because that pass rush when they want to bring it on and bull rush you, it's 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 lethal. So 
um, you would need Ramchek and Armstead in a game like that for sure. Yeah, I, I look at this Saints team right now, and it's it's amazing what they've done. It's been all defense. Uh, the, the offense has struggled to put up points all season long. Definitely something we're not used to seeing in the Sean Payton era. And, yeah, he's had to adjust, too. It's now we're basically a defense-first team. And you're gonna need they're gonna need at least one, maybe two turnovers uh, to to stay in these games because of the just the lack of being being able to push the ball down the field. We've seen so many struggles with wide receivers, with tight ends, and people being able not only to get the ball but to hold on to the ball when it gets to them. I agree completely. I mean, listen, the, when the defense is is the defense has been making, has been humming. Oh dude, man, I mean, it's been amazing. They've only given up two touchdowns in the last four games. Think about that. There's only been three scored against the Saints, and one was the pick six for me and Book to basically start the game on right. Monday second night. Second pass. Second pass of his career. Uh, but, no, two touchdowns in four games, and you're playing the Bucks and other teams like that? I was going to say, it's not like you were doing this against the Jets and the, the Texans or something. True story right there. So, listen, that's super impressive. That's why I will, I will not ever let anybody tell me the Saints wouldn't have a chance because when this defense is healthy – it's pretty darn good. And they're only giving up if you take that touchdown away, which I do because it's not a defensive touchdown. Right. It's 32 points in four games. That's eight. And really, it should be less because they were going for it on fourth down in that Dolphins game, like on the 30-yard line. So you're giving away three points because, you know, you, when they didn't get it, the Dolphins just kicked the field goal. So it's really less. But let's just count that. That's still eight points a game over four games. Matt Ryan might have his hands full, particularly if Davenport can go. Yeah, the pro- the problem, like I said, though, is the Saints being able to put up points. We got a touchdown last game, and I felt like it was New Year's Eve again, ready to set off the streamers, you know, crank the party favors. It, it, it felt like eons since the Saints got into the end zone. No, I know. In fact, did you happen to see Mike Hoss's uh, Twitter feed when he put the <laughs> he put the I didn't even know the video was up still. I knew Zach Streif used to have that video stream in the booth. I didn't yes. know Hoss had it. Okay, so I'm in there, right, and I'm like. You know, obviously, I'm showing my home team because I don't get to cheer when I'm on the road. I don't get to cheer, and I don't really cheer in this press box either, but the fact is it's just us four up there. <laughs> so I kind of did a big fist pump, and then we finally scored thing, and, you know, because uh, it was the video of that touchdown you're talking about. And Mike looked at Deuce and says, what do you know? A touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, they scored a touchdown. Man, it feels good to call one, right? Yeah, and so he's almost shocked at it because it wasn't like a, a exuberant call. It was like, oh, my goodness, this just happened. So you're right. Taysom Hill is going to have to have a couple busted plays where he's going to have to improvise and probably get some long gains, which he, he does at least a couple times a game. And as we know, Alvin Kamara has to come up big in this game, and I think he will. I think he's got the – after hearing him all week, you know, he's got that He's juice. such a great interview. I mean, I, I know we, we say that a lot probably too, but him addressing the media is just so very open, friendly, warm. Uh, there's no – uh, canned answers with him. It's all, you know, definitely from the heart. I said that last night I was as I was doing it. Somebody was saying, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm listening to Kamara's interview, and I just can't. I smile myself because I'm, I just like this guy so much, and he's so, like, he is who he is. He doesn't put on any act, and no, he, exactly. he is just a great dude. I mean, he really is a great guy. He's a great ambassador for the New Orleans Saints, and I'm glad he's on our side. Plus, he's one of the the great players in Saints history as well. So that's a nice combination where you can also be great on the field and you're one of the greatest guys off the field and you work as hard as anybody else too to make get better at your craft. I mean, he's a dream type of player. AK was asked about this Falcons team and if they would uh, – he thinks they'll lay down since they have nothing on the line in this game except for knocking the Saints out of playoff contention. Here's AK. Eliminated or not, I think the 
tempo will be the same. The message will be the same. We're trying to get a win. And then, especially if you got a chance to kind of knock somebody else off their pivot, another team off their pivot. So I don't expect them to come in and lay down. I mean, I don't expect to go in there and just walk in, walk out of there with a win. So we got to be on our game. Um, it is what it is. It's another opportunity. It's, a, it's another week in the season. The last week, but it's another week. So everybody promised 17 games. They're promised this 17th game. So I'm, I, I don't expect nothing less than, than a hard game. That's it. The first 17-game schedule season, regular season, comes to an end today in Atlanta. I'm Steve Geller with Scott Alexander here on First Take. Coming back with more, give us a call on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line, 504-260-1870. Want to hear from you, Houdat Nation, taking down the dirty birds today in Hotlanta. Steven Scott coming back with more after the break on WWL. Week 18 in the NFL, the regular season coming to a close. New Orleans Saints at Atlanta Falcons. Of course, it's going to end up against the hated rival Dirty Birds in the ATL. And uh, I don't know. These fans in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium today might be a little distracted. They got a, a bigger game tomorrow to, to pay attention to with the Georgia Bulldogs against Alabama. Much bigger. And as a guy that lived in Atlanta for 20 years, let me give, let me just give you a hint of the Yeah, give me the order. hierarchy of, of like Atlanta sports. Well, I can tell you right now that's two things and everything else you better win. Okay. The two things are Georgia football and Atlanta Braves. And I was fortunate enough to be on Atlanta Braves broadcast for 14 years, and that was their glory days. I mean, they were winning division titles every year. 100 games was an average. How, how tough is it as a media member covering baseball? Because it's so many games. Loved it. I yeah, mean, uh-huh. I loved baseball. And yeah, I yeah. loved it. And I loved, I was doing games all summer. You know, I, I absolutely loved doing it. Um, kept me busy. Kind It kind of helped me move up quickly in the ranks just because I got a lot of producing experience and things like that. But the Braves, it was so much fun. But the Braves, even when I was a kid, I was going in the 70s because I had a relative that was a a Delta executive, my mom's uh, brother-in-law. So we were going up as kids, and even the 80s in college, you know, TBS was big, Superstation. So them and the Cubs were the two you saw every day. So we were flying as college kids to Atlanta, and they they weren't very good except in 84 at all in the 80s, but they still had good fans mostly. You know, obviously they had some sparse crowds too, but – the 90s, bro, the 50,000-seat stadium, I mean, they were sold out all the time. It was just a – it was unbelievable. And Georgia football, they love it. So their focus is totally on this game Bulldogs. T- tomorrow night. I mean, think about it. This is their best opportunity. Even when they almost beat Alabama when Tua broke their heart with that long pass to Devontae Smith, uh, you know, that team was an underdog. This team is favored. You know, and I, I picked Bama to beat them straight up when – no. I don't know many people that were calling that. They may say they were now. They weren't. Right. Uh, even Sean McDonough, the game before that, was saying, hey, you know, tune in for our next game. It's not a matter of, you know, who wins. It's a matter of how bad Georgia beats them. And I'm like, whoa. Right. I took, money, I took money line at two and a half to one. I'm like, okay. So they, they, and they beat him convincingly. But I fully expect Georgia to come back tomorrow and play very well. And I know I never want to bet against a Saban team ever. Exactly. Ever. Like right. truly ever. Like ever. But I just feel something right now about this team. Especially when he's an underdog, too. Right, that's the thing. Well, that's why I took that six and a half points and then the money line. But this one's different. I mean, you've already seen him once. You kind of got your wake-up call. Everybody was loving you. And then you got you got not just beat, but you got handed. And so I feel Georgia, I feel personally that they're going to come back and play well. Will they win? I'm not sure. I mean, but I, I, like I said, I don't ever want to bet against Saban, but I, I think I will tomorrow just because I don't want to. I want to root against him and have extra pleasure if they do win. And nothing against the Bama guys. I know I have a lot of friends here. They went to Bama. Nothing against y'all, but aren't y'all a little greedy at this point? 
I mean, come on. You've won six since the guy got there. They're just uh, stacking them. Yeah, let Georgia get something. They haven't won since I was at the Sugar Bowl in 1980 <laughs> with Herschel Walker. I mean, that's literally the last time. I was 15 years old. I remember being at that game. And uh, that's 40 that's 41 years. I used to think how long it had been oh, since yeah, LSU won from 58 because I wasn't born yet. And so I would hear about this title, which was mythical to me. And all of a sudden we won in 03. I'm like, that's 45 years. But now I look back. I remember Georgia's like yesterday because I was there. And that's 41 years. So it's pretty similar for these people. And they've been close so many times. So that said, back to the Falcons. Though, well, I was going to say, the how, focus how, won't be how, as much on this game. How do, how, why, why isn't the Falcons fan base as passionate? It's just because they haven't, haven't tasted the, the sweet, the, the winning ways that other teams have had? Let's face it, their two Super Bowl appearances are two of the most embarrassing <laughs> of all time. Let's honestly, the, the one in 98 when LA beat them. Uh, you know, I remember having a huge party in Atlanta and I took, I took bets from all comers. And of course, you know, I'm like, I didn't, you know, I didn't even, I gave them the points, whatever. It wasn't a whole lot, but. Oh, you're taking Atlanta people's money. Oh, Atlanta. Everybody walked in my door. (laughs) I had a crawfish bowl up in Atlanta. I I threw big Super Bowl parties back in the day. And, and, um, and so, you know, I, I just said, anybody that wants to bet, I just I'll I'm take, here for the smoke. I'll take it all. You know, back then <laughs> money was kind of freely. You know, so I didn't care if I lost a thousand. Who cared? But point being is, everybody wanted it because I mean, and I was like, oh boy, if we lose, we're gonna be in trouble. Right. Uh, told my wife, and then thank God we won, and, and it won convincingly. But the embarrassing part about that one was Eugene Robinson, the the man of the year in the NFL. Like he just got the award. Like he was like the most soft spoken, just great athlete, great guy. Uh, a lot like, you know, a guy like Kamara, and all of a sudden he's out, you know, with the lady of the night the night before, which is shocking if you know Eugene, and then everything snowballed from there with the Falcons. So then fast forward to we all know what happened with 28-3. to Right. And I remember vividly two minutes ago in the third quarter, and I remember where I was sitting, and I had a lot on the over and a lot on the <laughs> Patriots, okay. right? And I kept doing in-games on the Patriots. Like, I mean, okay. And I kept saying, and it was hopeful thinking. So Arthur Blank doing his little dance. He, he was choppa. He was choppa. <laughs> he just did the choppa. Uh, so my point is, I remember telling the person, I said, well, this is how many possessions they could have, so there's a chance. And not really thinking that could happen, sure. but I really did say it. And I was like, and then, I mean, every bet I had came through because I had to have all these things happen. They all did. Oh, that's and a beautiful thing. Besides the bed part, it's the Falcons part. And I was going to say this earlier. I put a statement on Facebook that night. Uh, about, you know, sorry, not sorry, whatever, you know, and I said, you know, woo-woo, oh, crybaby Falcons, whatever. And I got backlash from a lot of people and from Atlanta that were my friends. Like, hey, can't y'all, can't you be a little classier about it? And I, I just listen to I said, you weren't there at 62-7 to 7 in 1973 in 102 degree heat in your Sunday best. Okay? I remember this. This is my payback. I right? remember this. But then I did feel bad later because I, like, a lot of the friends I, I do care about were really hurting. Like, we would be hurting. Like, you know what I'm saying? If that had happened to us, and I started thinking, I backed off of the heat because I was giving it to him that night. And I said, you know what? I, I feel bad for you as a person. I don't feel bad for your franchise, though. I, I, I absolutely love this, and I'll love this till the day I die. That 28-3 to comeback was still something I'd just get tingles over. I was going to say that your buddies in Atlanta give it back to you tenfold during the Nola No Call against the Rams. Of course. All right, exactly. Of course. I mean, you know, but they all knew that was – we all know it's BS. They know it, too. I mean, that was the most ridiculous call of all time. No call, I should say. But, yeah, you know, what goes around comes around, and that one hurt. And that, that still hurts because I remember being in the booth with Deuce and Zach that day. Yeah. And I remember, D- Zach, we all stared for 30 minutes on the field. Zach left after 30. 
Uh, Deuce left after 45, and an hour later, I have a picture right, that uh, our man took of me from behind and uh, Robert Carroll, and it's just like me staring at the field an hour later, and I'm just like I'm just shaking my head the whole time. There's nobody out there but like a clean crew, <laughs> and I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, on the field, and it was just brutal. So yeah, the Saints have had their share of heartbreak. We know the Minnesota. Uh, you know, miracle, whatever they call it. Just recently, I guess it was the anniversary of the beast quake. They've been playing that mm. clip on Twitter. I, I hate seeing that one. I was in a ski slope watching that <laughs> one. I know exactly where I was for all these darn games. But unfortunately, those last few times in New Orleans, these playoff games, I've, I've been right there in the booth, and it hadn't been pretty. Right. Well, this one, we will be in Atlanta. Well, we won't, but the Saints are on the road in this one. It's basically a playoff matchup. Saints trying to take... This game against the Atlanta Falcons and hoping that the Rams can take down the 49ers. 325 kickoffs and both teams, the Rams and the Saints win. New Orleans is in the playoffs. We're coming back with more of First Take. Steve Geller, Scott Alexander here on WWL's First Take. More after the break. I think our board op is in the newsroom right now, so oh, we're not going anywhere. Let's wrap then. <laughs> you want to play that Peyton bite? Because I think that's a phenomenal sound bite. I used it in one of my Sunday morning reports about, you know, hey, the culture of this team. Yeah, you talked about there right there, Sean Payton talking about over being able to overcome adversity and why this team has been able to stay strong and stay together. It's a little bit like a garden in that you got to attend to it, you know, kind of every day. We had a hard training camp that first year in 06. I did, honestly, I didn't know um, what kind of team we had, you know, as a first year head coach. And, you know, you're anxious to see that felt like we were six months. Uh, in that training camp. And then we had some early success, which you gives you confidence. And, you know, you hear me talk all the time about that. And so that first year, we, we built the foundation with the draft class. We built the foundation. We were going through all the different players that we brought in that year. You know, we had a good playoff run, and then we fell on some hard times in seven and eight. But that 06 class and the 06 training camp and the 06 beginning I think helped us relative to the 09 season and 10, 11. And then look there for a little bit, you know, after 13, it wasn't as good. And then again, it gets back to your, your procurement of players and the right coaches. And, and uh, so it's never just stationary. It's something that you got to work at. You heard Sean Payton there talking about building the winning culture here in New Orleans, which he's done a phenomenal job at. These guys are willing to give it all for their coach, and I think that's the biggest thing is they know how hard Payton works and how passionate he is, and that just trickles over to them, and they're willing to do anything for their head coach. Steve Geller, Scott Alexander, more first take after the break here on WWL Saints Radio. Welcome back to First Take. And give us a call on the Oakland Hard Jewelers Talk and Text Line, 504-260-1870. Scotty A, Stevie G, want to hear from you, Houdat Nation. As a black and gold going for a playoff berth, need a win over the Atlanta Falcons today in Atlanta. Also needing a Rams victory over the San Francisco 49ers. Both games are 325 starts. We're getting ready for these noon kickoffs. And I said earlier, there's not too much interesting in these early games. The NFL smart enough to save all the big-time action for later on. I'm looking that we're going to get these Steelers-Ravens and Packers-Lions on TV. It'll be interesting to see how much Aaron Rodgers goes in that game in Detroit. I know he's obviously vying for MVP candidacy. Uh, do you think that Tom Brady could steal that away from him at all not a chance no huh no, no even though tom's leading in touchdowns and yards 
I think it's pretty consensus at this time. I mean, I, I would certainly consider Tom Brady, considering everything he's done for that franchise. But I think the the last they they're going to look at what have you done lately. I mean, sure. Unfortunately, and and Rogers is. If you looked at Rogers' opening game, he's not the MVP, correct? Right. He was terrible uh, against the New Orleans Saints, thirty-eight to three loss. But what he's done. <laughs> Listen, they're both remarkable mercurial quarterbacks. I mean, considering Brady's age, especially what he's doing. But the things that, that Aaron Rodgers can do with a football just blow my mind. I mean, honestly, they, they, he just uh, he's not even a young guy either. I mean, he's no. been playing for a long time, and he even had to sit out four years under far before that. He's the MVP. It's pretty amazing he's when you watch him. For me, at least, watching guys throw and on the run – I don't think there's anybody that throws a better ball while mobile. Against his body. Like, Unbelievable, That's right. the thing, people. He does it so easy, you take it for granted, but it's hard to do, man. You're <laughs> twisting your whole body, and then you're flipping it the other way. Steve Young was good at it. Aaron Rodgers is good at it. Not many more. I mean, there's a few, but not many. Steve Geller and Scott Alexander coming to you with another hour of first take after the break. And I have WWL's Mike Dettelier breaking down his scouts notebook on the Atlanta Falcons. And also want to hear from you on the Oakland Hard Jewelers talking text line 504-260-1870. More first take after the news at the top of the hour on WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 